that's good. First service was amazing this morning. Like, some of y'all cheated. You stayed for both. <laughs> it was that good. It was that good. Oh, man. You know, the crazy thing about being just led by the Spirit is like, there's, it's just, it's not like we do the same thing both services. It literally changes. I get in here and I feel a whole different thing in my heart for a whole different group of people. It's, uh, it's really interesting. Hmm. Let's take up our offering before we get too far off. I'm going to jump in. All right. Lord, we love you. Do you love him? Do you love him? Lord, we love you so much. You're so good. You're in this place. You're so beautiful. And we welcome you. We ask for more of you now. If you really, 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 really are bold, ask for more. Come on. Ask for more. We just ask for more, Jesus. We ask for more, Jesus. <laughs> He's so good. Jesus. Well, before I, I go wherever this wind blows us, I'm, I'm going to take up our offering. Mark, I'm going to read scripture to you. Mark 12. Mark 12, 41. One of my favorite passages to read when it's time to take up an offering. So Jesus sat down the opposite place of where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. No pressure. <laughs> They're taking up offering, and here's the plate, and here's Jesus. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has just put more in the treasury than all others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. This is a powerful passage. We say all the time that it's not about the amount, which it truly isn't. But I want to give you a scripture that backs up that statement. Jesus is more about the quality of the gift than the quantity of the gift. He's all about your heart. He's all about giving from a place. What happens is, is we, we very easily, when it comes offering time, people get funny about offerings. I love offerings. I love when I hit an awkward moment in the room. I don't know if it's just me. But those are usually where I lean in. I'm like, oh, we need to get free there. Bill Johnson makes the remark. He says that usually the last per part of the believer that gets saved is their wallet. Once, it, once he becomes king over every area of your life, nothing's awkward anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> so here they are. And here's this widow, and she comes up, and she puts in just a couple coins, just a few cents. And Jesus, I want you to imagine Jesus in this moment. He's sitting here watching. I don't know what it looked like, but it just says he's sitting on the other side of the plates. They're coming, and he's watching, and she puts it in, and it's like he stops the whole thing. He's like, guys, 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 come here, come here, come here. Can you believe what she just put in? He said he didn't, she didn't just pull out of her wealth. She gave from her need. 
There's something that happens when we've been giving out of a place that goes beyond just our excess. And we tap into our need. And I want to challenge you this morning. I believe that there's times in our giving that the Lord really wants to challenge us. And I can't, I love, I love to tell people, I don't care how much you put in, honestly. That doesn't matter to me, nor do I know how much you put in. I just get up here and share what the Lord tells me to share. But I do know this, that we, at times, he pushes us to give from a place that's beyond what is comfortable. And when we do that, we have the opportunity to step into that place where he celebrates us, just like he did this widow and said, oh, it's amazing. Did you see what she put in? Can you imagine the disciples? They were always just, Jesus messed them up. They're like, he said she gave from her need. Let us give from a place that cost us something. Amen? Amen? Come on, you can't blame it on that glory glow forever. <laughs> Let us give from a place that it cost us something. I don't want to give something to Jesus that didn't cost me. I always want to give from a place that it cost. So I'm going to pray over you, okay? You ready? How many want just the blessings of the Lord in your life? Mm. Me too. Me too. He's that good. Lord, I pray over everyone in this room this morning. I thank you for our family. I thank you for this tribe, Lord. I thank you that we are surrounded by you. We are in your goodness. And this morning, as we give to you, Lord, whether it's giving through uh, 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 however the means is, Lord, I just bless them, Father. I bless their homes. I bless their households, Jesus. And I pray that favor would chase you down. I pray just that that thing over you that Joseph had, that even though he kept messing it up, favor kept finding him. If you feel like you've messed it up, I feel a word in that for somebody that feels like you've messed it up in your finances. When you get the God of favor, the God over your life, favor will find you still. And so I feel for a couple people that you feel like you're in such a place of debt and you've messed it up so bad that even when I talk about this, you like you just don't see a way out. And I don't think Joseph saw a way out of that pit either, except for God had a plan for him. And he may have been the egotistical one that got himself thrown in the pit, but God picked him up. And so I pray over you that any area that you feel like you've messed up and things have went in the pit, that the God of love and favor would pull you out and raise you up into a place where you can operate out of true prosperity. I bless you and I honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, mm. amen. We're not passing the baskets just yet. So if you're going to give with a cash or a cash, cash, if you're, is that like a single cash? If you're going to give with a cash. <laughs> if you're going to give with a cash, your check, you can put it in the back. There's a, uh, you can do it at the end or you can do it now, but there is a, a basket back there. Or you can just text the number of people that give by card and you can do it that way. And it's a lot easier. We've been through a wild past three months, haven't we? Oh, man. Here we go. He's just so good. I feel so much in my heart in this room this morning. Like my chest feels like it's going to explode. Like, like excitement. Wow. Man, I've, that's crazy. We've been through a crazy three months um, and, and, and even longer, I guess. I was actually, funny story, I was down in Disney World when everything shut down good place to be. I went to Disney World the last day before they closed it. There were no lines. It was my first time in Disney World. 
And my friends were like, don't expect this to be normal. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> Tiffany's like, that is our normal, thanks. Um, we parked like second row from the doors. I've never been before. I don't know what else there is. I mean, people, he was like, we're going to have to walk. I'm like, this is easy. What are you talking about, Bill? Oh, by the way, you want a surprise? Bill Vanderbish will be here in two weeks. <laughs> They're driving here to be with us because Tracy doesn't want to fly. And so they're going to drive to come together and, and spend a weekend with us in a couple weeks. That just came out. I'm like 99% sure, but it's 100% now. <laughs> Bill, if you're watching, you are coming <laughs> to be with us. We already had them scheduled for um, Reformers Gathering Conference. And I told him, just leave your date open. And so he, at first he was like, I'm not going to fly. It costs too much. Uh, tickets were outrageous. And then he's like, you know what? We'll just jump in the car and drive. So... When you get older, driving is like a date, especially without your kids. Like, 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 my kids are like, you took the longest route home. When will you be home? We'll be there soon. Just cruising around town. We are, we are in a time, though, that is absolutely just a wild time. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak into it a little bit this morning. And I'm going to ask you to do two things for me this morning when I speak. Number one, realize that... Um, uh, have just a lot of grace for me as I navigate through some of these topics because I want to speak the Father's heart this morning, okay? Give me that grace, and if I, if I screw it up, say, that's okay, we got grace. Second of all, realize everything I share this morning is what God is giving me for this house, not every church. So don't take this back if you're visiting and say, well, pastor at the gate said, you know, uh, that's why he's pastor at the gate. <laughs> so uh, we have a lot of great friends here that go to other churches. This is a message that a lot of this relates to what God is speaking into this house. We are adjusting every weekend to what services look like. I mean, every weekend we are figuring out more and more. We have found out that our church is terrible social distancers. Um, <laughs> I'm not mocking. I don't mean that in a rebellious attitude. I mean, we really, when we started back in, we're like, we don't know what this looks like. So we're just going to go for it. And like, I walked in and everyone was hugging. I'm like, you guys are terrible at this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it hit me. I was worshiping this morning. And, and again, I want to use wisdom. I'm, I'm, man, we're doing our best. Um, it hit me, though, when I was worshiping. I said, you know, we have been declaring over this property since I started leading this church that it is a no sickness zone. Why would we get scared when sickness is out there? Now, again, this is my church, our church. I'm not saying this about everybody that watches. But we do feel right now, I feel like the Lord has given me a word for the church. It is really important that the, that the church truly arises and shines right now. Um, I do not find it coincidence. I'm not saying that it's because of the churches, but I do not find it coincidence that uh, most churches throughout the world have been forced to not gather and chaos has broken out in the nations. Um, I, I'm not saying it's because of that I, and I recognize there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and we're going to talk about that a little bit the best I know how and we are believing for healing in our nation and the nations right now. I am believing with it with all my being. People have accused me of... People are just kind of snooty right now. 
I mean, they're like, well, you're not saying anything on the internet. Well, that's because the internet isn't my platform. One of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't preach on a platform that God didn't give us. The Apostle Paul uh, was very clear that he said, I'm the apostle of the Gentiles, not the Jews. What did he say? He's saying that I don't have the authority to speak the word to the Jews. It's not that the word's wrong, it's that I don't have the authority to speak it. And you can speak the right word to the wrong group and it brings chaos. People say, well, it's true. Well, I'm not saying right now. <laughs> no, I'm saying in general, people will be like, well, it's the truth. Well, just because it's the truth doesn't mean it was the truth that God wanted to bring them right now. <laughs> God is really good about timing. We're learning that one. But he's really good about timing. And so many things are said in the wrong timing, but it was the right words. But because it was in the wrong timing, it never made it. Um... We need to make sure that we know who we're called to speak to. Social media, is, social media is not my platform, it's just a fun social life. I can share my thoughts, feel free, you do what you want, this is, this is about me right now. <laughs> this is all about me, guys, haven't you caught that? No. I just, I'm careful not to preach to people that God hasn't told me to preach to. But I have been calling people, and I haven't made this public, but I've been slowly reaching out to many of the families that are being impacted through what's happening in our country right now and sitting down with them personally, saying, how are you doing? And I haven't gotten everybody yet. And I'm also reaching out to, we have, we have all different people in this congregation that are being impacted from both directions. And all I know is that I know that the scripture says that we are called to be one as he is one. I haven't figured all that out yet, but I'm, keep, I'm just gonna keep going for it. I'm going to talk, we're going to walk through a piece of scripture that I think might give us some wisdom into that this morning, though. I want to talk to you about Nehemiah this morning. Yeah. Ooh, I got chills when you said that. <laughs> All right. You want to preach? <laughs> Go for it. I already did one. <laughs> it's cheating if you listen to my first one, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> funny story I'll just throw this in and then I'll jump in full speed um, I remember I was sitting in a, a small group of youth pastors back when I was youth pastoring with Banning Leapshire and he was telling a joke he said that Banning said my office was right around the corner Banning's the head of Jesus culture and he said my office was right around the corner from Bill Johnson's office and he said Bill would always leave his Bible in his office written and, and all these notes and amazing thoughts in his Bible and he's like he would leave it and he said I would go in his office when he wasn't there and I would put it on the copier and he said I would copy it and he said and then I would sneak away and he said not only that he said I would preach it <laughs> and he said I would preach it and people would be like amen and Bill would come up and be like Banning the Lord has been showing me the same thing and Bill, Banning would be like that is amazing Bill I'm just so glad <laughs> that's a youth pastor for you <laughs> they're, they're amazing he said, Bill would be like, that's, I can't believe the Lord's speaking that to you. And he's like, we're just on the same page, Bill. Like, it's just, uh, it's just Lord's, like, <laughs> I remember watching when Banning Leapshire and Jesus Culture was getting sent away. I remember watching Banning go up there, and he was actually there. Most of you may not know this. He was in Bethel before Bill. And he stood up there. He's like, Bill, I just want to let you know, you've grown into quite a man of God. You know, it's like, Bill's raised up Banning. And Banning's like, Bill, you've really turned out well. 
I'm so proud of you. Just want to tell you, you're, you're a great man. <laughs> you got to have fun, guys. We get too serious in church. Mm. All right, let's see how much of this we'll get through in the next. Yeah. All right, my watch will go off when it's time to stop. All right. <laughs> yeah, I see what you did there. All right, one, let me just say this before we go into Nehemiah. One of the things I think we need to understand is that Nehemiah, uh, understand this, Nehemiah was a prototype of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah's name meant comforter. We also know that in Ezra, if you go back a book, that Ezra, in that book, they had rebuilt the temple. They had rebuilt the house of God. Cool story, where they'd used the wealth of the wicked to build the house of God. Such a neat save, uh, story. But it wasn't good enough that the church was doing well. The city was not doing well. Nehemiah came for the city. The temple was restored. But Nehemiah said, it's not good that your, your gate isn't there, that your walls aren't there. It's not good that the city is in pain. And so in Ezra, they recognize that the church is good, but there's more to it than just the church. And I want to try to get our... our, our, our our sights outside of just the building in the sense of what is God calling us to do? Every church is different. Again, this sermon's not for every church, but this is for this house. And I'm just going to start in Nehemiah chapter one, verse three, and it says this. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence and are in great trouble and disgrace. Pause. The people that were kicked out, the people that were hurt, they're back in the city. They're hurting. They're disgraced. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. What's that mean? They don't feel protected. And its gates have been burned with fire. All right, pause there. I want you to notice the first thing that Nehemiah did. The very first thing was he came in and he heard the hearts of the people. Before he did anything else, he didn't come in and announce, I'm here, it's all going to be good, guys. We're going to start revival meetings. It's going to be good. He came in and he sat down and he said, I want to hear what's going on. And they shared vulnerably. We're hurting. People are disgraced. They're humiliated. They don't feel protected. What are you going to do about it? Verse four. When he had heard these things, he sat down with some of them and he wept. For days I mourned and fasted before the Lord God of heaven. And then he said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to the prayer of the servant praying before you day and night for your servants. The father's family you um, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. Pause. His language is not anymore them. He knows if he's going to be able to minister to them, it has to go from a, we to, from a you to a we. And so he transitions what's happening as he is praying, as he is feeling their pain. It is now that he feels their pain. And it's not your pain, it's our pain. It's a very vulnerable place to open yourself up to feel someone else's pain. He said, we have, we have, we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. What's he doing right here? He's standing in the gap. 
We see a picture where he's coming into a place of desolation, pain, disgrace, and he's standing there and he's taking the weight of it on himself so he can operate from that place. He needs to know what they're feeling. It's not good enough for him just to look and say, well, yeah, I could see how you feel that way. He stood in the gap. He didn't say, well, you know, they deserved this. I hate it when I hear that. I hear people say that over cities and all these different things, you know. I've heard, they make, what do they do? They make these judgments towards people, groups, cities, uh, churches. Where they say, well, you know, they did deserve that. You made your bed. You can just hear the voice of God in that, right? <laughs> he realized that the sin of the city was, we, we, we have to realize something that we, we have to recognize that the sins of a city, of a nation, are no, never going to be greater than the blood of Christ. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bad it feels, and it's okay to feel it. I, I, I'm literally, for me personally, I'm not telling you to do this, I'm trying to literally meet with people and put myself in the position vulnerably to feel their pain so I can move forward with them. Because I have to, authority comes in relationship. I can't speak into you unless I have relationship. I can, I just won't have authority, which means that my words won't go far. Are you with me? It's really quiet up in this room. I believe you're just soaking it in. Verse 8. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are to the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling in my name. This is a powerful moment. I like this. Nehemiah has moved into a different place now. He has stepped into the city. He has felt their needs. He has then moved into a place of weeping with them. Then he moves into a place of praying for them. Then he moves into a place of taking responsibility with them. And then he moves into a place of saying, now I'm reminding you, God, what you said about this place. This is powerful. He's not reminding God because God's sitting in heaven absent-minded and can't remember what he said. He's reminding God because he knows that when he pairs the authority that he's been given with the word of God over that city, that it is natural that everything has to get out of the way for heaven to happen. You have authority. As a believer, the Bible says that you are given authority. The one thing the devil does not have is authority. He has zero. People are like, well, you know, I don't understand why he causes me such trouble. Well, probably because you listen to him so much. Because all he can do is yappity, 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 yapp. And what happens is when you take his words and you pair it with your authority, you release the kingdom of either darkness or heaven. Nehemiah came in and he said, I'm going to come together in my authority but I'm also going to take the words that you spoke over the city. And so he comes before the Lord and he says, I just want to remind you of something. You said that if they would come back, even if they were exiled, if they'd come back in your name, 
that your hand would be upon them. He's not reminding God because God forgot. He's reestablishing something in the spirit realm. The thing that the enemy wants to do for all of us is to get our eyes. Remember, he went, there's a process that's here of going through the pain. We're not erasing that process, but it can't end there. It had to get to the promises. Nehemiah could have come in and just wept forever. But he said, I have to get you where God wants you. It's not, it's, it, I, wanna, I need to feel your pain, but I have to walk with you through it because we want to get to the word of God over this city. I want to speak to Charlotte for a minute, our city. Some of you, if you haven't yet, you need to adopt your city. It doesn't matter where you're from. That can be your hometown. You need to adopt your city because once it's yours, you take responsibility for it. You need to adopt your city. When you see things happening on TV, it's your responsibility. <laughs> you guys are doing so well. You're getting such a more spicy version than first service. <laughs> that was my practice round. <laughs> they get all my mess ups. You get the awake me. <laughs> oh, it's so powerful. He comes in and he says, I'm going to remind you, Lord, what you're saying over this city. You told us that if we would do this, you would bless us. We have words over this city. I have notes and notes and notes and notes of words over this city. I keep them on my phone because they sync up to my computer and my iPad. So at any moment, I can pull up a word over this city. And when people are like, man, have you just seen how dark it is? Let me give you a word. Let me give you a word. I'll, I'll feel your pain, but let me give you a word. And things begin to change. Because when we begin to speak out words, I've said this before and I've, I heard it, I believe, from Reinhard Bonnke. He made the remark. He said, when you speak the words of the Lord, it is no less powerful coming out of your mouth than his mouth. There's no, it's not like you're the little kid version of Jesus saying it and it doesn't really mean anything. Why? Because he said, I have given you all authority. He didn't say, okay, I'm going up to heaven. I'm gonna hang on just a little bit I'm going to give you a little authority. He said, I'm giving you all authority. What does that mean? When you read your Bible and you see things that Jesus did, we don't go, man, I wish I could do that. You can. Because he said, everything I can do, it's yours. So when we take our authority and we pair it up with what God speaks to us, things begin to happen. You can write the scripture down. 1 Timothy 1.8 is where Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy about how to apostle a city. How to apostle a city. By the way, let me just say this too. When you're in an apostolic church, and this is a whole other teaching, it's different. We are responsible for things that are happening in this city. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than me. We are a gate from what to what? It's our responsibility. You want to know where I had, oh man, I feel the Lord. You want to know where I had my dream about the gate being born? The Lord took me in uptown Charlotte and walked me around the streets in a dream. 
about seven or eight years ago. That's why if all you have ever seen that little video of me and Tiffany shot like five years ago on YouTube, we did it uptown when we were announcing the gate. He took me around uptown in this dream and I was walking around and I kept hearing all these people talking about the gate and I didn't even know what it was. And I said, what is that? And they looked at me in the grin and they said, that's your church. So I woke up and I thought, hey, I think I'm gonna have a church called the gate. What's the purpose? A gate is not that impressive, but it is a place where things can get out and go in. It's a place where you can send things out and you can welcome things in. The problem is when we don't see God's promises beginning to come true in our lives, we begin to look at them all through a place of filter. We do a filter of doubt when we're really supposed to be a conduit of authority. We're not supposed to see it through doubt. We're supposed to operate from authority. We saw this also with Moses. It's in Exodus 32, 13, if you want to write it down, when the Lord was about to like kill everyone. And Moses comes before the Lord. He's like, hey, listen, um, that's probably a bad idea. That's basically what he says. That's going to look bad. Like, it's not going to look good for you if you kill everyone. Seriously, read the scripture in in a more scriptural manner. He said, it's probably not going to look well. And what happened? He changed the heart of the Lord. What happened? He stepped back into this place of authority and said, Moses stands there and says, this is not okay. These are your people. This is old covenant. We get to come in in a new covenant and stand in the place and say, listen, now I'm speaking to darkness now, like not people. We can come into the spirit realm and say, this is not okay. This is not okay. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with darkness in my city. I'll give you the end of my sermon first and then we'll get there in just a second. Acts 8 says that a city should be filled with joy. That's what it should be. And I believe there's gonna be a release of joy and I I see something happening in the spirit. You mark my words, it's already happening in Minneapolis where an outpouring of the spirit is pouring out on the streets. And I believe what's gonna happen is things are gonna switch and things are gonna become the presence of the Lord and powerful laughter and a bunch of other things that are disarming the enemy. And I feel it happening. It's not to diminish pain, it's not to push out the issues, it's to say there's a better weapon. It's going to happen. You watch. You're going to start seeing an outpouring on the streets. The evangelists, why do you think that they've been calling out the evangelist? Why do you think everything has been lining up for the past year all of a sudden? What was the last one? The sin that was all about the, the one that was the more recent one. Well, um, it was all about evangelists. It was all raising up evangelists. Raising up evangelists. Why? Isn't it interesting that all of a sudden the church got shut down and the main theme through the church for the past year or two was get people out of the church? You think the Lord was surprised? He's been calling evangelists saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Man, I feel the Lord on this. Let's, let's, jump, let's jump over just a couple chapters. Here's where it gets fun. And we'll see if we can do this quickly. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 1 says, and when, all right, so they've built the wall, and now they're getting some flack. 
And when the Lord, word of the Lord came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message that says, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent a messenger to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? I love it that he's not playing around with words here. <laughs> they said, hey, uh, we'd really like to meet with you. And Nehemiah says, I'm good. In our words, he said, no thanks. You are permitted to tell people that are distracting you from what God's called you to do, no thanks. They were trying to get him distracted. They were trying to stop him. And it even goes on and says, four times they sent the same messages and each time I gave them the same answer. No thanks. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter. Okay? It's a scathing, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible Facebook post <laughs> in, which was, in which was written, it is reported among the nations of Geshem and say it's true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, moreover according to these reports, you're about to become their king and, and have even appointed, appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in, Israel, in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now, this report will get back to the king. So come and let us meet together. What's he saying? All these nasty accusations, and I'm going to go tell the king. He says, I sent them a reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up in your head. I love the courage in Nehemiah. He's like, what are you talking about? That's in your head. <laughs> you ever had somebody like something is in their head and you're like, what are you talking about? The thing is, is you can entertain a lie to the point where you believe it. And he knew that if he did not, in the very beginning, not entertain this lie, it would take him places he did not want to go. And so he said, you're making that up in your head. I'm not going there. <laughs> Oh, let's finish that piece up. It says, um, verse 9, they were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for work and it will not be completed, but I prayed, now strengthen my hands. But I, <laughs> one day we went to the house of Shemaiah and a bunch of other people, and he said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple <laughs> and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said to him, should a man like me run away? <laughs> should I go into the temple to save my life? Should I go into the religious system and hide? Should I hide inside the walls of religion? No. <laughs> he was quite a dude. Notice they've changed the approach. Don't think for a moment if the devil's not getting you one way, he won't try multiple other ways. They begin to change their approach because it's not working. And then what happens is they actually begin, at one point, he says, uh, but should a man like me run away or should someone go to the temple? No, I realized that God had not sent them 
but they had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Dirty prophets. <laughs> Paid out. Let me just say this, first of all. The Bible doesn't say that they weren't prophets. The right gift plugged into the wrong source can be very dangerous. They had the gift of prophet. The Bible says they were prophets, but they were operating out of a different spirit. Here's the thing. Sometimes you have to know so strongly what God has called you to do that even if a prophetic voice tells you otherwise, that you know that's not true or it is true. The Bible says in verse 11, it said... Um, um, I realized that God had not sent him. I like the new, the new King James Version says, then I perceived. What does that mean? He actually didn't have like a word when it happened. He responded out of his confidence in what the Lord had called him to do. But he actually didn't perceive until after he'd already responded. See, our nature wants to say, I'm just gonna pray for this thing forever until I get confidence from the Lord, and then if I get it from him, I'll do it. Sometimes the Lord likes to get you in a, part, in a place where he'll flush out what's in your heart, and then he'll tell you. You ever answered and then the word came? Because you answered from your character, and then you perceive something? <laughs> I have many times where I, I, I don't, honestly, I tell my, even my wife, I'm like, I don't, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like, I don't feel 100%, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And then I perceive. This is how you grow. This is how the Lord puts you on the bicycle and takes off the training wheels and says, give it a shot. And then when you get it right, he's like, oh, so good, good job. Verse 13, and we'll wrap it up. He said, they've been hired to intimidate me. And that what I, I says, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin. What's that mean? Intimidation breeds fear. What's the point? Anytime that you act in fear, the only result is sin. Not anytime you encounter fear. Anytime that you act in fear, the only result will be sin. You can't act in fear without it ending in sin. And then they would have given a bad name and discredited me. Sometimes the intimidation from the enemy can look like a warning from God. Oh, I've seen that one so many times. Where I, and people will often do it in the name of God. And I have to sit here and say, for me, it's a filter of what's... what's does this line up with the heart of God? <laughs> um, Nehemiah was filled with courage. He was bold. For us to do what we're called to do in our city, it's going to take people that are courageous. I I'm going to push you a little bit. I know it's not the easiest to get outside your head. And for some of us, we're, we're just so happy about being able to come to church again, and that's great. But there's a bigger call. We are placed in the city. Ezra knew that it was great to get the house of God done, but Nehemiah said it's not good that the city's still hurting. I need to come in. And 
we have to, I just want to challenge you that if what you're doing for the Lord doesn't require courage, maybe pray about if you're not needing to do more. I just felt like that one hit. (laughs) I just heard like this dinging noise in the spirit when I said that. I've never heard that before. It's weird. It's like a cowbell. I don't know what that was. Sorry, y'all are coming in my head while I'm I'm preaching. (laughs) Courage releases the fullness of the kingdom. I'm I'm already, I'm running out of time. The devil wants you to chase him. I heard a a statement by Mario Murillo that said that the devil will enter a bar of soap if you'll focus on it. I felt like joy and offense all in the room at the same time. (laughs) I'm just reading the Bible, guys. I haven't mentioned anything that's going on. I'm just reading the Bible. We are in a time. All right, let's, let's end this on a conversational note. We're in a time where the enemy is dividing. You have to be able to discern the difference between the pain of people versus the agenda of the enemy. And you cannot throw it all in the same bucket. Nehemiah had to hear the pain of the people, but then at the same time say, but I'm not responding to the agenda of the enemy. It's not, it's, you will wear yourself out if you feel the pain of the people and then say, I'm also going to let the enemy run my schedule because he's good with keeping you busy. I got news for you. He's okay with you focusing on him as long as you're not focusing on God. And he loves to divide. I want, yeah. I was once told by a real general said that the spirit of division doesn't care at all what it divides over as long as it divides. It could care less. Sometimes the issues aren't even issues. It just wants to divide. In Acts, we see an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. I told you I'd in there, so I should in there. Acts chapter 4, 8, 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4 says, And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. I want you to notice that when he had done the signs, they paid close attention. That's really important. Your words are not enough. They need to be paired with signs. You can challenge people all day. You can try to convince them of your belief all day. But something gets their attention when signs, wonders, and miracles show up. It said that he had talked to them, they'd heard, and then they saw. And then they paid attention. I've learned with some people that, you know, they don't, when all of a sudden you begin to pray for them and their back begins to get healed, they're a little more interested in what you have to say. Why? Because you are now operating in what you're talking about. 
And then it said this. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And so, everybody say so. So. There was great joy in that city. What's the point? When they begin to operate, when they begin to share the goodness of the Lord, they begin to operate in signs, wonders, and miracles. All of a sudden, impure spirits began to get driven out, and joy came in. I am ready for our city to be filled with joy. I, I, I am along for the journey. I, I, have, I, have, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. That's good. Tiffany, I want to give you permission to be joyful. Some people don't feel like they can be joyful. I want you to understand, though, that even in a place of coming through pain and out of pain, you have permission to be joyful. I've met people that have been through so much pain that they've actually bought into the lie that I can't be joyful. And what the enemy has done is he has now trapped you. (laughs) I said at the beginning, I see joy breaking out. I see things changing. I see that there's a lot that will still happen in our nation and in the nations. And I believe... I believe all the words that we've... Listen, we came into 20, like, all these prophetic words, and everyone's like, maybe we were wrong. No! I'm not going to say they're all right, because I can't claim for everyone's word, but I can say this, that if it was God's word, none of this is going to change it. And there were some big words. There were some really big words coming into this. If this is the year that I have to go through to see the fulfillment of those words, I can handle it. So let's believe for it. Let's stand up. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to believe the Lord to do a couple things, and then I'm going to release you. Well, I want to ask you to let the love of the Lord fill you. You know what anchors me in my safety in Him is knowing that how good his love is. His love is so good that I can sit down with anyone in love and I'm safe. I'm going to release the love of the Lord over you and everyone watching this. Father, right now, I thank you that I even get an opportunity just to share my heart this morning. I thank you for this house. And Lord, I know that we are a hurting nation right now and, and, and not the only nation that's hurting. And, I, and I, I just, I realize that I don't have all the answers, but I know in where the answers are. And it says that it's the glory of a king to search out a matter. My job is to search it out. Your job is to search it out. And all while we operate in love. Father, I pray that you would teach us, Lord, to be, uh, Father, I feel this Nehemiah generation right now that says that it's not okay that this city is hurting. It's time to see the fullness of what God has. And so, Lord, release the Nehemiahs right now, that, that, Father, that their heart is to see restoration, reconciliation, and the fullness of the kingdom for everyone. 
Lord, release that generation. They're a powerful generation. They are not easily swayed to the left or the right by hearing lies and arguments. They're not pulled into false religious organizations. They don't let false prophetic voices stop them. They hear what the Lord says. And what's happening is I feel like God is actually in this process. He is actually like cleansing things out of the church. He is drawing a line in the sand. And there are people that have been operating as when the disciples said, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And Jesus said, you don't don't know what spirit that is. He is clarifying his spirit. He is clarifying his spirit and he's cleansing the body of Christ like never before. And we welcome anything that is you. We welcome it. Lord, I pray that this morning, God, I pray over the hearts that are in this place. Some are hurting, some are confused, and I just ask that pure love would be released right now. That God, as we align our hearts with you, I pray that judgment would dissolve. None of us are in the place to be the judge. You are. But dissolve that in Jesus' name. I pray blessings. I pray that a, a tribe of lovers would rise up. Would rise up that love well and represent well and get it when we say we are one, we are the body of Christ. This is not politics. This is kingdom. This is kingdom. Jesus, now we honor you. We honor you for who you are. And I remind you, I'm just going to do this. I remind you, Lord, of the words over this city. I remind you of all the prophetic words that have been coming through the generals and voices in the body of Christ right now about another great outpouring. Lord, I remind you of that. And God, I don't care how it looks or when it happens, but I say, Lord, just we remind you of that. Let it happen. Let it happen. Let it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.